Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Stanley Cup final is now 2-1 in favor of Vegas after the Panthers' OT win last night. There have been signings across the league as it pertains to defensemen and big money being thrown around. And yet, our regular Friday guest, Shana Goldman, is focused on the goaltenders with one of her latest pieces on The Athletic. And I feel it was done intentionally just to stir up Marty (laughs) Baron because, Shana, I think you're well aware of what Marty believes John Gibson's current value to be so when you (laughs) list potential targets like pittsburgh carolina jersey ottawa detroit buffalo and la marty what do you have to say about that um well (laughs) obviously um there's still some believer in john gibson and i was never one of them so (laughs) go ahead shana make me a believer you have the, the, the platform is yours make me somewhat of a believer okay so this story, the funny enough, was supposed to go Tuesday and some other things shuffled it around with how the series went. And it's so when I knew it was publishing today, I knew it was perfect just for you. And the <laughs> savers weren't even on my initial list. I was at first going to go Toronto. And as much as I tried to stress the math of getting rid of a core four player, I just couldn't justify it. So I put Buffalo back in there because we know they might have interest in Hellenbuck. So why not look at every goalie that's available on the market? And it sounds like there's going to be a few. With John Gibson, the thing that strikes me is his ability to manage chaos. And I know that's tough to say because he hasn't done a great job of it the last four years, but we're talking about a historically bad Ducks team that allows 39 shots on goal against per game on average, which is the worst since that's been recorded. You know, the expected goal rate against is the worst since that's been recorded. Their goals against, which is on him as well as defense, is the worst. It's everything you know, just added up. And the fact that he was only slightly below average, I think is saying something this year. It has been four straight bad years now with three really good years before that. So it's two different players, essentially, we're talking about. We can't just say he's the player of three, you know, three or four years ago. But we can see how his play has deteriorated on this Ducks team. And I give him credit because so many seasons we see him playing well until he hits that wall. It's just that they break him. It's too much. It's too much for any goalie to deal with. So I don't think he's the elite John Gibson that we thought he was in his prime. But I think that he still has it in him with the right team, with the right support, and just not whatever has been in front of him the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I will give you that the Ducks have been awful. And they have made life 
physically and mentally hard on John Gibson. But I am worried, number one, about his health because he's always been the guy that gets banged up. He's as stiff as a surfboard in that. I mean, his body does not bend. Like it's toe up, like heel save, glove save, like his body just doesn't bend. And I think it's hard for this new age of goaltenders to be stiff as a board and be like John Gibson. But I also feel like there's been a pattern now, a pattern of good start, bad finish, good start, bad finish, that now I'm starting to worry. Is it Anaheim or is it John Gibson? Because uh-huh. at that time, it now becomes of your DNA, right? When right. you go over these patterns over and over again. And that's the worst kind of pattern. Good start, bad finish. You know what happens at the end of the season? A playoff chase, the playoffs. And I'm like, uh, that's not the guy I would rely on in March and April. Uh, but I know that's just me. I, you could go to a, Toronto, a, put him back on the list for Toronto. Go, go to Toronto. It'll be great for us. It'll yeah, be great right? for us in Buffalo. Right. When the, when the pressure rises of Toronto, they need that late season goalie that I feel like they can't pick him for that reason. But then I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because what if people start feeling the same way about Carter Hart, who, you know, some have very high projections for, some don't. He's a goalie that we saw last year have a fantastic start. And you had to know at a certain point his play was going to stop and it was going to have to be the Flyers' defense either helping him or everybody sinking together. And that's exactly what happened because you can't – not every goalie can be that equalizer that much when you're behind that bed of a team. Like, there's few yeah. goalies who can manage that kind of workload for an extended period of time. Like, Henrik Lundqvist is one of the rare ones who managed the Rangers' defense no matter how terrible they were. But that's the elite generational tier, and neither of these goalies are near that. But Gibson costs so much, and you've already painted his last four years. Are there any examples that you have of somebody rebounding after four poor years like this? I'm going to guess no with this kind of money still attached, right, contractually. Yeah, because nobody trades goalies because no one understands position. And that's what makes us so hard. Because we're just why they have bad signings yeah, to begin with. <laughs> exactly. We're throwing it out there like, well, there could be a John Gibson trade. We don't know what it would look like. We don't know what it looks like to trade a, uh, a star, you know, someone who might be a starting caliber goalie. We don't know what an elite goaltender on the move even looks like in recent history, unless it's a free agency, you know, signing. We don't see this often. So it's going to be interesting. I can't see Gibson being the first domino to fall. I feel like it has to be a Helen Buck or a Hart. It sounds like it's going to be, and that probably will set the price. I, I think the Ducks are going to have a hard time getting what they want for Gibson, but he's the piece it feels like they have to move. So it's going to be interesting to see how that leverage plays out and if it leads to movement at all. And how does salary retention get worked into it? Because it has to, but then you're committing one space for the next four years of your salary retention slots. Like, it's such a complicated one. I feel like they're never going to get what they're asking for. But who knows? If someone overpays for another goalie, maybe it shakes things up. Just so you know. So I have a list of like tradable goaltenders or, you know, names Me that too. maybe, if you know, Duffer is the same. <laughs> you know, you see Saros is on that 22 guys list. on it right now. How about you? 22 goalies? Yeah. Tradable That's goalies? That's a lot. Starts yeah, know, a lot. Like I've got... Goalies. I got six and I'm just like six or seven, but the, like UC Soros will be on the list. For example, Connor Hellebuck's on, on the list. Yep. I have Jake Allen on the list because I'm thinking like Montreal could go Montembo and Primo and maybe yep. Jake Allen's a guy. Um, I have Markstrom or Vladar. One of the Calgary goalies going to have to go because they got to make room for uh, Dustin Wolf to come in and, and start his NHL career. Well, they don't but have really, to. Huh? They don't have to. They, they don't have to, but they but could. really, like, so at the bottom of that list, 
I have two names. I have Elvis Merzlikens, and Ooh. then I have John Gibson. So Gibson's six four for four more years. Merzlikens is five point four for four more years. There's a million difference. Would you trade them? Opposite. You're Anaheim. Would you other. go straight up for Merzlikens? Merzlikens is younger, so you get that. I mean, like if you're Anaheim, why not? Right? It it just depends. Like. Is it a one for one? Are you adding to the deal? Like that's the big question. Marty the... thinks Elvis needs a change of scene. Okay, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, that. Tina. And you I think Gibson 20? obviously could benefit from that too. Gibson so. is twenty nine. Elvis Merzlikens is also twenty nine. We I have he was the like pers- twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah, it, that's the thing. Like our, our like, because he's not been around as long, but he's also twenty nine years old. Hmm. Well, he'd be now. playing behind an elite defense now in Columbus, so. Very, I know, I know, know Shana wants to, Shana, I know before the Severson deal went down, you dubbed them the bad jackets. I get it. But now, if healthy, Lorensky, Severson, Provorov, Yurichek, Bokovist, Goodbranson. I realize there's two guys in there you don't like, but (laughs) then you have first rounders in Matejcik and Kuhlman's also coming in. So you got three, essentially, with Juracek making the jump. And then you have some tradable assets that you can move off of. I think they're assets in Peak and Bean. So I don't know. I think I think the numbers are a little tricky with Columbus on some of those guys. But are they a lot better on defense today than they were a couple of days ago? Yes, I believe they are. So. The bar is so low, though. Like, yes, they're well, they better. Well, they got to stay healthy. I think people are forgetting, you know. That they were the Columbus Broken Jackets. It's amazing. Yeah, but, I mean, Zach Wierenski should be a lot. Zach Wierenski is a really I'm a good Wierenski defenseman. Fan. I'm, yeah, I'm a like fan Like, me of too. So, I, I think if you have any ounce of stability around him, you know, they should be a little better. But it's yes. interesting, nonetheless. So I do. No, I agree with you. I Okay, I have a couple, like worries though and it's how many minutes is Gabranson going to play and if someone like Severson or Wierenski slips is Gabranson going to slide up the depth chart that is a problem waiting to happen you're right. betting on Provorov bouncing back and there are reasons to, to believe he can in a lesser role to forget the off-ice stuff for a second focus on solely on the you know on ice it's a three-year decline do I think he might have it in him to bounce back in a lesser role with a good puck mover alongside him possibly and Severson as your top pair defenseman I think at this point we saw he was best when his workload got reduced he is someone that can play in all situations and absorb a ton of minutes I think you want top four versus top pair for him ideally Mm -hmm. the thing for me is how do we know you know Mike Babcock likes to lean on that defensive defenseman that's what Provorov is that could be his Roman Polak or his Ron Hainsey that he had in Toronto he's had that you know everywhere he's gone but I would just worry does he really give the kids a shot does he really develop them or does he just lean on veterans it just feels like if you're betting on being good it's so much money it's what fourteen five million, I think, in cap space between Provorov, Gabranson, and Severson right now. And I keep yeah. looking at their their roster, going, "Where are you finding the money for a center? You need that. You already had to get rid wow. of Bjorkstrand because you got Gabranson, which was a huge mistake. Now, like, where is the money to get a center? The banking obviously is on the kids who have already had a taste of the NHL and the Kent Johnsons, and and Cole obviously Sillinger. the uh, the Cole Sillinger, yeah, Sillinger. but a real regression year so to speak just a tough year um but they do have mark you know not that he's a center but you know kirill <laughs> marchenkov i mean he yeah. scored at a 30 goal pace so they might not be as devoid offensively up front as some people think so anyway um it will uh, well i do have a question um because you 
you know, painted such a good picture of John Gibson and it's, you know, the Sabres need maybe for a guy that embraces chaos like this. Um, should the approach then for the Sabres be, well, let's work on the chaos that's happening in front of our, yeah. you know, netminder and, you know, a top four defenseman to go along with Darlene Samuelson power. Um, Duffer and I were putting some names together, right? And there's guys that are UFAs, there's RFAs that could be maybe prime for a offer sheet. There's trade targets. What would be the best way for the Sabres to go about this? Is is the the D market better for uh, trades or for UFAs? Where do you see it? Um, so I agree with you, though. Like, if the Sabres are going to make a move, I think that they can focus a lot in front of the crease. And if they can, like, strengthen their defense and just get better at sustaining offensive pressure, it's less work for your goalie. And that's going to be a good thing for everyone instead of spending for a goalie that you might worry blocks Levi's path, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's where you have your trouble. Mm-hmm. Um I think maybe for the Sabres, I really do like the idea of them getting a top four defenseman and really rounding out that group. I wonder if an offer sheet maybe is their best bet because that's someone who would be young and in the age range of these players. And you have someone who would then be good now and in the future because you can't just, the UFA market's so tricky because if you're going to bring in a UFA defenseman, you're already getting them at the later end of their prime in most instances. And you can bet on a player being good into their thirties. Absolutely. It's not like once you're 30, you're dead, but the chances of someone who's available on the UFA market because elite talent doesn't get there. It's such a lesser chance of them sustaining that good play. Those later years, that decline might be steeper or it just gets to a lower level versus that elite talent who, when they decline, they're below average for them is above average than still the average defenseman. So I just feel like they should be targeting higher end talents and starting big. They have the assets. They have the picks. They have the cap space. They have the opportunity to just go big at this point. And it feels like why not go for a good defenseman? And it doesn't have to be top pair caliber. It's that number four kind of player. Like why not? Will Borgen. Hi. Um, Uh, What was the, what what did we put on a t-shirt for Shana last week? Be angry at everything. (laughs) Is it something like that? This Uh, week's Shana t-shirt is brought to you by, when you're 30, you're not dead. Not dead. <laughs> All I can think of is the 30 under 30. I have to tell myself crowd. that. I'm telling myself yeah. that. I just turned 30 yeah. and I have to keep reminding myself I'm not dead. So, Hey, okay. really quick, because you did discuss this in incredible detail months ago with us. Have you heard anything more on Vince Dunn and what his likely number is going to be in Seattle and what the ripple effect might be there with their defense core, which does have some RFAs, some UFAs, but they've also got a good kid in his first-year pro, and Riker Evans, who's been really tearing it up in the AHL this year, including now in the Calder Cup final. It's such a tough call for them because it's so – we haven't heard much, and it's so out of character for Ron Francis to go for that big swing and spend a ton on a defenseman, but it feels like they're building something with that slow and patient approach that you don't want to have to start again from square one to find that top-pair caliber defenseman. So it just feels like – they'll regress if they do anything besides keep Vince done. And it feels like they have the salary cap flexibility to spend on him. I still don't see it being some huge contract. And maybe it helps them in a sense that someone like Severson, who's been in a top pair role and now is signed to be a top pair guy, got that $6.25 million cap hit. Yes, he got the term to balance out the fact that it didn't go higher, but that is like right on target for what you want for a top pair defenseman, not an elite guy, not a number one, just a top pair caliber defenseman. So I think for Vince Dunn, no, he doesn't have the history behind him, but maybe it, pushes his number a little bit higher, but still yeah. in a reasonable range because someone like Severson didn't get overpaid in that eight, $9 million range, which then sets you out of pocket for done. 
Yeah, I would have to think seven minimum for Dunn based on the year that he had. But again, fascinating just how Seattle's been constructed and the fact that after a wonderful year for their NHL franchise, their AHL team is poised to perhaps take the Calder Cup as well. Shana, thank you. We'll work on the t-shirts. You're not (laughs) dead at 30 and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It is Shana Goldman from The Athletic. We're back to wrap Sabres Live after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.